There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Welcome to the Felt Laddies Flicker Show, mate. That's right, we, the Felt Laddies, are here to take you on another cinematic tour. This time we're looking at porn! Dirty, nasty porn! It's what the internet's built on! It's the vitamins in your cereal! It's what's for dinner! Porn! Well, a specific type of porn. Disaster porn! The kind of porn where you delight in seeing cities, monuments, and large amounts of fruit destroyed before your very eyes. The more destruction, the better! <laughs> I can never get enough. Tear it down. Burn it up. Rub linseed oil in it. Dance, money counter, dance. Wait, uh, where was I? Oh, felt laddie number one, sitting on his tuffet, wondering why we've changed the name of the show, is Max Cannonfodder Levine. Blow us a kiss, Max. And I am felt laddie number two, in more ways than one, the master of disaster, Mike, keep flailing loose. And yes, we're still Max, Mike, movies, and I don't. Oh, thank like God that. you're not going to do that accent the whole time. <laughs> no scotch this time. Wink. <laughs> First up in our new series is 2017's classic, with a K, Geostorm. Is it a oh, great boy. example of the genre or just a big bag of Gerard Butler's wind? We'll find out. Before that, you're still our dear listeners, and you had this to say in response to last week's... Poll question... Last episode, we asked what cinematic disaster was the one that gave you the biggest heebies and or jeebies. These were your answers. Nick Hoffman was first with, quote, the asteroid strike in Deep Impact, or Dip Impact, just kidding, <laughs> with the resulting monstrous tidal wave really freaked me out, end quote. Thanks, uh, Nick. Yeah, that was a creepy shot. He does live on a coast, so that helps. Mm -hmm. Charles Forsyth was next and kind of missed the point. His comment, quote, that Dune Part 2 is jiggly bad, or geezly, or... I think it's geely? I don't know. Yeah. End quote. Well, we'll just have to see. Thanks, Charles? <laughs> Adam Mark gave us, quote, Outbreak slash contagion, a pandemic with a very high mortality rate, easy transmissibility, and no cure or effective treatment, end quote. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Those films Both look Both of those are awful. Contagion's worse, I think. Well, and they look a lot different than they did a few years ago. <clears throat> yeah. Thanks, Adam. Tyler Stewart agreed with Adam, commenting, quote, This, but the contagion is something like vampirism or zombies and death isn't the end, end quote. Yikes. That is uh, scary. Uh, thanks, Tyler. Dave typed out, oh, here we go. Quote, another challenging one. A good disaster movie would have secret underground dumps where they keep the pools of old poison gas and obsolete germ <laughs> bombs. And maybe a scene at Howard Johnson's. Want to eat some clams? No, but no, you said that wrong. It's... Wanna eat some clams? I'm guessing it is from a comedy bit that I do not know. No, no, that's from Frank Zappa's Billy the Mountain. Oh, that's right. I did hear that one night, but I was high. Oops! <clears throat> Way to go, Dave. <laughs> uh, continuing with Dave. But kidding aside, I can't remember being scared at a disaster movie. Real-life earthquakes and fires are scary, but movies are a particularly bad medium for such stories. The movies huh. become dominated by special effects and star cameos, and there is rarely anything to engage me in the story. In real life, it was the earthquake, tsunami, nuclear disaster that I saw unfold on Facebook that struck fear into my heart. 
watching in real time people I know trying to figure out how to get home and what to do. And the footage taken by private citizens with their digital cameras or cell phones of the water winning and the town losing, and the way that destroyed buildings, how they move when they are part of a massive muddy flow towards the sea, and the articles about dealing with the radiation afterwards, and learning that you can buy a Geiger counter on Amazon, but deciding I didn't need one just to visit Tokyo a year later. <sighs> ah, big sentence. Even wow. then, though, I am at peace with the fact that nature can destroy me at any time in myriad ways and may do so for no reason. What scares me is real people and the things they are willing to do. People who eat darkness really frighten me, but it's a book, not a movie. I suspect there are movies that are re equally scary, but I avoid them because they look scary. In contrast, I avoid disaster films because they look mediocre. End quote. Huh. Okay. Phew. Well, as always, thanks for that, Dave. Nice to be immune like that. Yeah, gave us a lot to think about. Ralph Smith commented, quote, Day of the Triffids. Almost everyone on really? Earth is blinded as the alien invasion begins. Oh, okay, that part, yeah. There's a meteor shower of unprecedented duration and magnificence. Everyone who can watches it as the Earth turns through another night and day, and when they wake up, they are permanently blinded. So only people underground, miners, inside with no windows, prisoners, hospital patients, or who are somehow unable to see the spectacle are left. Meanwhile, spores have landed and germinated, and the Triffids are are taking over the planet, end quote. Thanks, Ralph. Yeah, interesting. Val Coons, trooper that she is, said, quote, I can't think of any that actually frightened me. I've experienced earthquakes and fires and studied volcanic eruptions, so I know what really happens with those, and what you see in the movies isn't close. Most of the others are so far off the reality scale that they're just fun adventure films. Well, we'll come to that later. <clears throat> of course, there is fungicide. I do cringe at the idea of being overcome <laughs> by giant alien trash bags. I mean mushrooms, end quote. <laughs> trash bags, they're scarier than you think. Thanks, Val. Yeah. And lastly, from way up north where the snow is yellow, Vince posted, quote, I am afraid of pandemics. There is no escape and no one is safe. Films that show that scare me. Climate change should be the same for me, but so many of the films about it are so ridiculous it makes it seem much less frightening than it really is. I'm sure many people think they can outrun cold because of one movie in particular, end quote. Oh, I know the yeah. film he's talking about. Oh, yes. Oh, no, the global warming is right behind us. Ah! Yeah, yeah we'll get to that the day after tomorrow. Thanks, Vince. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about you, Max? What disaster movie thingy really curls your toes? I, th I think it's probably earthquakes. And it may just be because I've never actually experienced one in person while I've experienced a bunch of the others. Because we, we usually don't get those here. Well, here's the thing. You actually have experienced yeah, I know, them, but, they're, but... It, it's the usual equivalent of a large truck driving by. Yeah. But yeah, for me, it's that. It's the idea that you can't trust the ground. Mm. That's, that's really unnerving. How about you? I mean, if it's a disaster movie thingy, it's rare that I find it scary. But I, too, have never been in an actual earthquake and having seen footage of... That I remember when the, the big one in Oakland, you know, whatever Ooh, it was, boy. 30 years yeah. ago, that you saw entire bridges just collapsing and stuff like that. That was scary. Um, so I suppose if we happen to look at a film that has an earthquake in it later on in the series, I can decide then if that's a thing. But these days, quite honestly, the contagion films really hit home too close. Yeah. And part of the problem is now knowing exactly how people <laughs> react to them. Oh, boy. And I remember, I was, was it Contagion, I think, where they did a lot of slow-mo close-up footage of people sneezing and showing yes. you how far that stuff actually goes? Yes, and how often you touch your own face. Yeah, so... Yeah. 
Yeah. When I think about you, I touch my face. <laughs> so I probably that. But uh, as always, we really appreciate your answers. They're yes, fun thank you. Very and cool. insightful. So there's no way we could ask for more. Or but we will. Is there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> do tell us, what disaster movie plot do you find the most unbelievable? Which supposed cataclysm simply don't stand up to the scrutiny of a mollusk? Let us know in ways which will astound you. We're going to take a little break to give our sponsors some time, and then we'll be back with trivia. Start your day the bumpy pucks way Made with alfalfa, oats, and hay Have a bowl, you'll never frown Keep an extra box around Sugar-frosted bumpy pucks Our ponies work twice as hard So you only have to chew half as long Or something Oh, and vitamins The facts Budget one hundred thirty million. We're oh talking about Lord. Geostorm, in case you've forgotten. Take two hundred twenty-one million, which is a lot uh-huh. more than it deserved. Oops. Oh, yeah, but I'm still sorry. a failure. Yes, failure, failure. failure. It's a little failure. <laughs> Produced by and starring Gerard Butler, who, according to other cast members, didn't appear to know many of his lines ahead of time. So oh dear. I'd like to repeat. Oops. <laughs> When shown to test audiences who were not impressed, the studio brought in producer Jerry Bruckheimer, who elected to shoot oh, a bunch dear. of extra footage, add some characters, and added 15 million bucks to the budget. I, well, if it's Jerry Bruckheimer, I assume he just stood around on the set yelling, Boom! Boom! <laughs> <laughs> might we see Mr. Bruckheimer's name later in the series? Oh, we, I think we might. We might indeed. This film had many release dates. Originally, it was slated to come out in March of 2016, but that got pushed back to October of 2016, then January of 2017, and finally October of 2017. I'm so glad it helped. Oops. (laughs) Sorry, I think we're giving something away. Uh, The title of the movie, Geostorm, is mentioned no less than 20 times in the film. We'll talk more about that later. This is the directorial debut of Roland Emmerich sidekick Dean Devlin. He also wrote the film. You might they remember his cartoon him. from the 70s. Devlin! Oh, oh God. They should have, yeah, uh, Emmerich should have kicked him harder. Uh, we'll get to that, too. And honestly, considering this is a relatively recent film, there's not much more weird. Like, literally not one single, you know who could have played Gerard Butler but didn't? None of that. It was yeah. one of the shortest trivial pages I've ever seen, and I went to two different sources. So... <laughs> Unless you know any trivia, Max? Do you know any trivia about this film? Well, not so much trivia as in sort of relating to us. Yes. Uh, did you recognize Max Lawson? Um, no, but I looked him up and I was like, oh, yeah, we saw him in Across the Universe. He played yep, Jude. Yep, he played Jude in Across the Universe as James Sturgis. Funny, if I remember correctly, I liked him in that part. Yeah. <laughs> in this part, well, we'll get to the acting a little later. Right now, the plot, because I'm sure you're all dying to know. Oh, yeah. It's more or less now-ish, but back in 2018, things were not good on planet Earth. See, according to a child's book report, the climate was going nuts and was approaching the zone of no return, TM. Something had to be done, TM. 
brilliant scientist Gerard Butler. <laughs> Sorry, let me, let me start <laughs> yeah, that no, again. It's hard to, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant Sit scientist Gerard Butler is called in with his plan to build a network of orbiting satellites that would be used to counter the world's bad weather with good weather. It would require the cooperation of the entire planet. So an international crew was assembled and, within just a few years, Butler's dream became a reality with him at the helm. The weather was calmed, food was plentiful, things were peaceful, dogs and cats living together. The United States had overseen its administration, but it seems Dr. Butler was not playing ball nicely and managed to get himself fired from the project by his younger brother, Max, played by someone. So the last few years of U.S. control are in Max's hands. Cut to the time when the whole system is going to be handed over to world control, and what do you know? Something seems to be wrong on Saturn Three. A freak ice storm hits a very small village in Afghanistan, instantly freezing everyone and everything for the space of a city block. How could this happen? On the controlling space station, a sudden unexpected expulsion of one of the workers into space is the last straw. Something must be done, TM. So, against his will, Max must call in his older brother, Gerard Butler, to come and fix what's wrong on Saturn 3. I mean Dutch Boy, the name given to the weather satellite thingy. When he arrives, stuff gets even more weird with weather causing a gas main explosion in Hong Kong. Turns out someone has planted a virus on Dutch Boy. On the eve of the president not only getting re-elected but handing over control, all hell breaks loose. The only way to stop this is to get the kill codes from the president, who just might be the evil mastermind behind this whole thing. Send them to Gerard Butler in space and, somehow, shut the whole system down before a series of connected worldwide disasters become a... Geostorm. Can Gerard Butler succeed? Will he and his brother ever reconcile? And what will Dutch Boy manage to destroy in the process? Only $130 million can tell. The film. So, Max, I don't yeah. have to ask this question because I know it. Yeah. I know when you originally saw this film because I was with you. Yep. <laughs> and we decided to watch Geostorm. We did. And didn't we, in fact, see it in the theater? No. No, we did? No, oh, okay. we watched it in your living room. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Uh, I hope the uh, the smell has been dispelled. Oh, ah, giving away. No, I we did must have keep... to replace the carpet, but yeah. <laughs> we have to uh, keep our uh, opinion on the film oh, a yes. secret till the end of the film. Let's just go yep. right to the acting. We start off with Gerard Butler and his hair dye. Oops! This is Geostorm! <laughs> um, I have to say... Uh, He's fine. I don't. He's adequate. I do have no trouble believing he didn't know his lines <laughs> because he has the. Every so often he'll say something and you just get the feeling he's going, What did I just say? <laughs> really? I mean, he doesn't have Colin Farrell levels of facial confusion, no. but he's. Here's the other problem. As an everyman, I build things with my own two hands kind of guy. I totally believe it. As super scientist Dr. Gerard Butler, mm, uh, he's not, so not maybe who I would have cast. Yeah. That being he, said, I got to say this for a, uh, a Scott. He does a perfectly reasonable American accent, which a lot of people from the UK can't do. Yeah. Um, I bought it. Uh, I kept thinking he was Australian because everybody these days who's not an American accent seems to be Australian or British, and he's neither of those things. Uh, he's fine. He's just more of a action star kind of guy than scientist. But inexplicably, his um, 
younger brother, <laughs> Blink and you'll think it's his son, yeah, Max, a perfectly good name for a character, is I played by so. Jim Sturgis, and he's... 20 years younger. <laughs> uh, yeah, he must have been a lot younger brother. Even no, matter, no, no amount of hair dye is going to fix that. Well, and Gerard Butler has that beard hair dye that tells you instantly that somebody had a Sharpie and some extra time. Yeah, pretty much. It doesn't work at all. It does all. not. And then they talk about how when they were kids together, and you're just like, what? I mean, you might as well have, I don't know, Alec Guinness... And Luke Skywalker pretending that they're twins. <laughs> We're not twins. I, no. And I guess Jim Sturgis is fine. Well, I mostly found his character annoying. Just, um, just to be fair, by the way, Jim Sturgis is only nine years younger than Gerard Butler. Really? Yeah. Because visually... Yeah, I know. He looks so much younger. It looks, really does. This but is I, a casting problem. It's just his face. Yeah, he, it's a casting problem. These two people, not only do they not look alike, the only relationship that came to mind with me, because thankfully I had forgotten my original viewing of Geostorm when I went to watch for the show, is father and son. Yeah, that That's, would have been more convincing. If you just let uh, Butler have a little more gray in his beard, that would have worked. And except for one moment where their having been kids together makes a difference, it actually might have worked better that way. And I might have understood the... the um, the conflict between them. Yeah, like when Max has to take over for his dad, that would have played a lot better than That would have his... been much more dramatic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that would have worked better. And we've seen plenty of films where the actors were years, only a few years apart, and one does play the parent, one plays the... And it totally works. In this case, I think it would have. Otherwise, he's fine. Yeah, um, he does an adequate job. Uh, Abby Cornish, who plays... Uh, <laughs> what? Who plays uh, Secret Service girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, Secret Service. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, inexplicably beautiful Secret Service agents that only exist in the movies. Sarah yeah. Wilson. Uh, she does. First off, she's Australian. She does a pretty good American accent. Yeah, and so does Jim Sturgis. I had no problem yeah. with his either. The thing is, they're supposed to be like madly in love, her and Jim Sturgis, and they don't have much chemistry at all. Well, now, Max, we know they're madly in love because they tell us they are. Yes, true. <laughs> they don't have a lot of chemistry, and let's face it, every opportunity they get to show Abby in her underwear, they do. And it's like, okay, I fine. She's beautiful, and she's a... Now, can somebody who's beautiful not be a Secret Service agent? Of course not. They can, they can do anything, but it's just so obvious that they hired her for her looks. And that's why she's in this movie. She's okay. I actually kind of find her annoying too, but she's fine. Well, the character is yes. just so two-dimensional. You, she could like slip through the floorboards. Yeah. Like I mean, like you've got to help me. You have to betray everything you believe in. I can't do that. I took an oath. Please. Well, all right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, and. I mean, that, so, well, we'll get to you the know, other the plot you know who, stuff later. You know who I thought was pretty good? Uh, the little girl, the one who plays uh, Gerard Butler's daughter. 
I found her the most annoying character from the frame one. Her little book report where she's talking about... Uh, oh, the voiceover is just awful, but it, but that's not her fault. But also that's... just her, her... She's just... I'm the spunky, upset teenager. Okay. There is nothing about her character that's new or interesting. And I no, just, but I think she portrays it well. Eh. If, you, if she's tried to portray an annoying teenager, she did great. Yeah, I, just I think found she her, is. I just found her annoying, and I with the less footage of her, the better. And she has dumb things in the opening. We fought back um, against <sighs> the problems we made ourselves. So yes, we fighting. fought back, and we beat the weather. <laughs> it's, yeah. Take that, you stupid weather. And here's the thing about the plot. So basically, there are weather control satellites, and they go run amok. Amok, amok. Amok, 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 well, amok. they kind of walk amok, but this yes. plot I encountered first in the '60s in the form of a plot from an oh, yeah. issue of Magnus Robot Fighter. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say um, uh, Days of Our Law. Lo- oh no, General Hospital. No, that that would have been '80s. But 80s, no, no, this, okay. this is Magnus Robot Fighter, uh, a, okay. a not very well known comic book, and in North Am in AD four thousand, because at that point the entire yeah. North American continent is one city. They have weather satellites that go amok and only magnus can literally punch them out <laughs> which yeah, to be fair, we'll get we'll get to the plot points yeah, we're still talking about some of the characters it's still the not acting. that much different uh we have a bunch of other actors i'm going to skip over because they have very minor parts we have a couple of heavy hitters in here though we have yeah. Andy garcia as the president who who's is there he exists he, he looks presidential kind of Except he looks like the kind of president who knows somebody. <laughs> it's like, what? I think you should follow my laws. Because if you don't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he does look like... Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, I got uh, 430% of the vote. What's your problem? <laughs> well, here's the fun part, is they did pick him to go up with Ed Harris, yeah. whom I adore. And Ed it Harris literally makes you go, oh, wait, who's the villain? Um... Uh, it could literally be either of these two guys. Yeah. I really can't tell. That is the only casting choice in this film that I applaud. Because I, the first time I saw this, I didn't know. And it's like, could I believe the president could actually do so? Well, if it's Andy Garcia, yes, yes, I yeah. could. Yeah. He's going to break Weather's knees. Uh, <laughs> and then Ed Harris. I lo- the thing I love about Ed Harris, Ed Harris is perfectly willing to equally play a villain or a heroic character and he throws himself into either side and i like him in both yeah and it is rare that you have an actor that can do both that well but i like when i first saw him in the abyss i'm like who's this guy i like this guy he's really cool and i really love the right stuff when he plays uh you know um, um john glenn but in many other films like this one he plays a villain oops sorry to give it away but honestly you'll be glad we did um and I think he does great. I I totally am willing to believe he could be a villain. So I'm I'm a big Ed Harris fan. Yep, he's terrific. What, um, did you recognize the hacker? The it's ta- hacker TM. Yeah, whose yeah. accent is worse than mine. Yeah. It's Robert Sheehan, whom I mostly know from the Umbrella Academy. Oh, no, oh, him too. Yeah, he he, he but he's oh, on screen. Meant- so- I meant Dana, the uh, Zazie Beats. Zazie Beats, who uh, I know Zazie from Pitts. Deadpool Two, she played Domino. Um, I don't remember her from that. All I can say is, she is the spunky. You won't believe I'm yeah. a hacker, hacker character that we've seen a thousand times. And literally, I will, say, yep, I will give her this. At no point <laughs> does she say, 
I'm in. <laughs> That's the like. It's like the Bechdel test for hackers. <laughs> yes. Is anybody at any point in the movie say I'm in? Eh, yep. Yep. You know she doesn't, but. And then, of course, there's our international cast of wacky characters. Sure. Who get like, hello, I have two lines to establish my character, and then you will never hear from me again. Look, we're diverse. Yep. Because, see, there's all these nice characters of color in the background. Yes, it's sort of, it kind of reminds you of 12 to the moon, you know? <laughs> from from not Turkey, in a good Dr. way. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, our captain, Slab Beef Pile. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so I want to go and uh, and say that the acting ranges from barely acceptable to adequate. Yeah, and that's the gamut it runs. Uh, it's a to be fair, it's a disaster film. What should be the star of the film is stuff blowing up. Yeah, right. Because that's why we're here. We're here to see stuff blowing up, and even there, the film kind of fails because there is literally, for at least me anyway, one giant monument of a thing that we recognize that gets destroyed and it's St. Peter's in Moscow. Like everything else looks like they tell us it's Dubai. I'll believe them. I couldn't tell you what Dubai looks like. But yeah, but don't there's that like... super tall building that everyone knows about the name of which I can't remember. See? But it's like yeah. we don't see the Capitol Records building. We don't see the Empire State building. We don't we see don't the Eiffel s- Tower. Well, of course we don't see because they don't attack America. Well, but the Eiffel Tower, we don't see that. We yeah, don't see I, just London anything. Bridge, yeah. Like, none of the stuff that would actually, you know, matter to us as an well, audience. Once like, again, that is part That is part of the, and I use the term loosely, plot, in that all of the ones, all of the countries that are being affected by the severe weathers are, techni- are, on, are basically not our allies. You know, Russia, China, Pakistan. Afghanistan. Iran, Afghanistan. Uh, but it, I mean, couldn't there at least be a, a pyramid? I mean, something, yeah, something recognizable. Because <laughs> when you're going to destroy stuff for the sake of destroying stuff, i.e., disaster porn, it should be something we actually at least recognize, possibly care about. I mean, heck, okay, France is our ally. Destroy the Louvre, something. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't. Um, and, and boy, that weather is. Rem- first of all. Let, let's talk about the weather satellite system, which are basically magic because oh. they use sonic <laughs> waves to do things. Um, Except when the entire control station can turn into a giant laser cannon and Death Star the hell <laughs> out of Russia. Well, very early on when we see that, I mean, it's literally like a square of this village in Afghanistan. It's magic satellite power. Because for some reason, not only did it instantly freeze this one tiny area in the middle of this desert village, um, apparently it's still not melting for reasons that nobody knows. Yeah, it's in the middle of a desert, and it stays frozen for probably several days. And it's that kind of cold that people are literally frozen in mid-step and stuff. Like, they couldn't, unlike Day After Tomorrow, they couldn't outrun the cold front. (laughs) Um, and sonic waves, as you well know, are often used to lower tempered No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, the satellites are magic. There's, there's no other explanation. Well, and then the I mag- also was curious about something. You notice there are no other satellites up there anywhere. What do you mean? They're all over there's the no place. There's no communication satellites. Oh. There's no. 
<laughs> well, they big this built this giant network, which says to me, yeah, good luck getting off the earth and not hitting something. Because it's mm. this big net. And they do show a shuttle, a magic space shuttle they just happen to have lying around, ready uh. to go, because that's not something you have to plan. And it goes up, and it goes through one of the openings, but it could just easily clip something, and then yeah. what? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's no communication satellites, there's none of that stuff, but there's also a space station that's not the ISS it's a new ISS that suddenly we've built in the last it's three the years it's the ISSS <laughs> two or whatever well yeah, like the thing about Google the space Luke. lasers and the magic is the magic gets dumber mm. so we start off okay you have a satellite that can make things colder I'm going to call no way from the beginning of the film but no you're going to up that by having a weather satellite magic laser that can cause um uh, gas, gas mains explode in, in specific row. areas and it's like and they're yeah, literally chasing a guy in a car yeah with weather lasers that make gas explode it's like i was in there going there are easier ways to kill somebody <laughs> which eventually they figure out when somebody just goes oh i'll just push him in front of a car <laughs> You Hold couldn't up. have done that first. You had to blow up half of Hong Kong. Oh, by the way, I love that when in the subtitle or the caption it tells us Hong Kong, China. <laughs> in case we thought it was Hong Kong, Detroit. Well, I think it's because they wanted they're trying to please the Chinese people, right? For Chinese markets. Oh, right, because they, wanna... they wouldn't know it was Hong Kong, China, no, would no, they? No, the point is they're not showing that it's Hong Kong is by itself. Uh, it's a political thing, I'm sure, because they wanted they wanted to try and get as much money as they could, so they wanted to be able to show it in China. I'm sure that was on purpose. Uh, okay. But yes, a gun suggested good golf. <laughs> Why? Well, yeah. Okay. And the thing is, yep. is that all we know is this guy, and he's he's a um, a Chinese scientist named Chen Long, who is a friend of Max's because I guess they went to school together, which is established later, so that we can have a scene of him getting run over in D.C. And Max can do a no. Over his yeah, body. and we can almost have a car chase, but thankfully we can wait for that till later because that's oh, yeah. what a disaster film needs most is a yeah, car that, that's chase. Yeah, that's in the middle of a weather disaster movie is a car chase. So what happens is literally uh, uh, Cheng Long comes out of his apartment to go get something to eat and literally goes, gosh, it's hot, and then <laughs> things start blowing oh, up. Oh, it's not just gosh, it's hot. He, dro- he literally fries an egg on the sidewalk. The old joke, it's hot enough to fry an egg on a sidewalk, and he literally drops a package of eggs and they fry. Which, it doesn't really have to be that hot to get them to sizzle. Not really, no. I think it's got to be hotter, like the air temperature would have to be so hot to cause the gas mains to explode that (laughs) you'd already be dead. That's the thing. It wouldn't be the, if they're actually exploding the gas mains by raising the temperature, that... They would have barbecued everyone in that section of the city. Yeah, and and they get it to explode in a particular direction, which I thought was also interesting. And somehow this is a geostorm. Oh, no, that's not the geostorm yet. That's what we're all afraid of, because apparently if the evil plan goes through, because there's a virus planted in the system, yeah. Uh, then we will have a global storm that will affect everything, and that's the geostorm. So we never actually see the geostorm. No, we see a um, a computer mock-up of it, which look hauntingly like the CG effects in this movie, yeah. which I have to say aren't very good. 
Like all the space station footage and stuff looks very much like there's a little tiny actor on a green screen stage and none of it's real. What surprises um, me about this space station is a, a remarkable number of people have guns on it. <laughs> Why? No one in their right mind would have a standard gun in space. No. In a thing where if you pierce the skin, you die. Yeah. Really? But, well, that's okay, because they can have guns. They can also have magic, satellite, lava, and earthquake lasers, because uh, that becomes yeah. it. Because the weather is often known to be the cause of both uh, volcanic eruptions and yeah, earthquakes. Yeah, I was wondering about what part of weather is volcanic eruptions? <laughs> yeah, but when you've got... So here's the... We talked about this in the trivia, Geostorm. Whenever you use and have to explain the movie's title <laughs> in the movie, yeah. we have a problem. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, geostorm. It's and a thing. Apparently, we're also we're supposed to feel that you know. Of course, the whole thing in disaster movies is you are. They try to make you care about the characters. You have to worry <laughs> that they're in danger, and they're throwing in all this family drama of you know, uh, uh, Max Gerard Butler, Jake. whose characters' names I've already forgotten, even though we <laughs> said it a minute and a half ago. Yeah, Jake. Yeah, because of his course. Brother, his brother Elwood. You know, <laughs> they're they're we, fighting. We've seen that. Would you yeah. just imagine those two characters in this film? It would have been so much better. That would have been that would have been great. <laughs> the Blues Brothers in Geostorm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a we got we got a full tank of gas in our space shuttle. We've got three thirty five hundred miles to go. A Geostorm's coming, and we're both wearing sunglasses. Let's roll. <laughs> I'd have, I'd have seen it. Yeah, I would have watched that, but we're supposed to. There, there's the tension between the brothers because uh, the big brother didn't step up when the parents died or something, and yeah. Then there's the pet, the tension between uh, uh, Gerard Butler and his daughter because he's kind of emotionally absent or something. Ex I'm not I guess except sure. they seem to get along really well. It's his going into space she doesn't like. Yeah, yeah, which you can kind of understand. Hi, I'm going off to the most lethal environment known to man. See ya. Yeah. Oh, and then, There's where things are going wrong and one guy's already died. And they talk about the mother and the relationship with the mother and how she's split off. And then they decide three quarters through the film, oh, we should bring her into this. Yeah. And we're it's like, like, who is this woman? Why? Yeah, for one scene. We literally don't. So that she can cry at the TV, whatever. There's also a sequence in the beginning where the kid we see, because she's also a tech whiz, is fixing this solar, <sighs> these solar panels. Right. And uh, all I, and she is up there. What are you doing? I'm replacing the power converter. And all I could think was, <laughs> did you get it from Tashi Station, Luke? <laughs> well, and here's the thing about that character: is it just me, or are they trying to rip off Greta Thunberg? Because that's uh, exactly how she came off. Because she's all about, bit. you know, the environment. Well, she's doing the book report at the beginning of the film, yeah. and she says things like. Um, as you know, as I said, we fought back, but nations came together along with this was built by one man, my dad. I'm like, wait, which is it? Yeah, the nature's built it, or, or this one guy with his Mr. Goodwrench is up there tightening bolts in space. Yeah, there, there might be something, yeah, there's something to that, I think. But it's like, that's okay, that's not only tacky, that's just wrong. You're trying to rip off someone who's actually trying to do some good in the world, and who's a kid? Yeah, who isn't just sitting around and whining like this character does, but actually takes action and, you know, it's trying to get a message out. Yeah, that, that, I could see that. I don't know if it was done consciously, but I bet, but I bet that was an influence. Oh, I and bet And that it is was. cheap. 
That is really cheap. And she's yeah. she's putting the new engine in Dad's car, and it's this giant thing, and it's like, uh, just so you know, electric motors for cars don't look like that. <laughs> yeah. Even in um, the future? Because when the hell is this? They say 2018... But I don't know when the end, like, what are, what year are we watching? Because they got stuff, like, what's that little hollow thing they've got that uh, everyone yeah, whips out of their, their pockets? Yeah, those weird uh, handheld devices, sort of see-through, expandable phone tablet thingies. Yeah. Because I cause want one. I, <laughs> I know you do. Yeah. Oh, then, of course, we've, now, where did all of the materials, because how many freaking satellites are there? There look to be, there must be tens of thousands of them. I mean, they must have used up half the metal on Earth building all that. And then, so this metal web connecting them, why, I don't know. Apparently, they hadn't figured out geosynchronous orbits, but... I guess, but oh, never mind the fact that any of those rare Earth uh, metals or Earth... Uh, what is, is that what they yeah. are, Earth metals? Uh, yeah, 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 rare Earth elements, yeah. Rare Earth elements, those are gone. I uh, hope you don't want a cell phone anytime mm. soon, because you have weather or cell phones. You don't get both. Yeah, apparently... Yeah. Um, also, what is, you notice Gerard Butler, despite the fact he apparently lives right near Cape Canaveral. Did you notice where he lived? Uh, Cape Canaveral? No. He, what, he's living in a trailer in the desert. No. He's living on Cocoa Beach. Oh, no. And you so know right near of- Major Nelson and the genie, <laughs> and genie. huh? <laughs> I was like, really? You're going to bring in Cocoa Beach to this film from <laughs> I Dream of Genie? Okay. I can't say if that's well-played movie or you're Well, it is. So the satellites dumb. are genie magic. Obviously, she blinks <laughs> and they work. Yeah, sure. But uh, the, mm. what is this? It's this trope with the misunderstood, cranky, betrayed genius Living in some crap hole in the desert. Yeah. It, we, if we ever watch The Core, you see it in that. You see it all over the place. Like, Wait, ah, get off my property. Yeah, I hate you. Yeah. Is that the one where they drill their way to the center of the earth? Yes, it is. <laughs> and they somehow don't pass Arnie Socknesum in the way? No, they did. They just ground him under the treads. They didn't notice. And oh, that's right. They get, they get halfway and so somebody was going, wait, do you hear that? Yeah, there's a yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, that's right. They never even mentioned Icelandic paratitite, but (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of things in here that I I actually thought Gerard Butler's character did he his character remind you of anybody? And this is admittedly a kind of a stretch, so if you don't get this, but I'm sure invite well, he's a pretty cliche character, but what do you mean? I, I my note for him was Gerard Butler, the Quincy of outer space. Who believe this? <laughs> yeah, kinda. I can see that because <laughs> he doesn't and, believe. Anything. And again, there's the standard trope of, "Oh, you stupid politicians don't understand, man. You should just stay out of the way and let us us brilliant scientists who never make mistakes and <laughs> don't actually have any kind of personal agendas do everything." Yeah, stupid, stupid government. Yeah, yeah. But well, actually, that kind of. That, brings up uh, the one of the good points or at least interesting point about this film is it's surprisingly anti-american yeah yeah it's uh well it's anti-government and it is from the american side but yeah it, yeah. it's true it's like oh look at this yeah america we built this thing but we don't want to turn it over to the world because you know we paid for it and stuff except that we didn't we, we just... didn't it was built by an international team no no it was built entirely by gerard butler oh right excuse me gerard butler <laughs> did it with just with a, a pair some stone knives and bear skins yeah. yeah and his teeth and nails yeah that's uh, right and, and that's dr butler to you you little 
<laughs> anyway. Yeah. Sure. Uh, even things like, at one point, we have the plot point where they talk about, oh, remember when we were brothers and we had our own secret code? And th- it reminded me of a certain scene from MASH, which I have down and I will now quote. Hawkeye is trying to get bidding signals from his partner, and Hawkeye is a uh, terrible bridge player. So he says, I'm reminded of a story. You probably heard it. The um, king and queen of this country were playing golf with five clubs when their son, Jack, remarked how strange it was they only had two hearts between them. <laughs> Just then, Ducey and her little dog, Trey, started singing Four Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend, whereupon the entire family beat her to death and buried her with two spades did you get it <laughs> yeah I said, yeah you know i tried to sabotage dad's reel like oh my really <laughs> it's that bad honestly the thing that i just quoted for mash what their little code and at that after after hawkeye says that did you get it charles just says everybody did <laughs> So somehow the evil government forces that are listening into their Zoom meeting calls don't <laughs> get it. And nope. so apparently this virus, and uh, we, you know we were even going to do this, Max, we might as well. Yeah. This virus gives the evil bad villains complete control over everything. And yeah. even when they find the virus in the system and find that they're all locked out of things, they continue to use the system to try to fix the system. Yeah, and also, like, how do we get rid of the virus? Oh, we just have to reboot the computer. <laughs> no, you really? don't. <laughs> so your solution is, have you tried turning it off and turning it back on? <laughs> Not how viruses work. No, and, um, spoiler, uh. it works, because, sure. And they even have the audacity to try to explain to us in the film why it will work. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> and it, they don't do it. And again, to to turn off the computer systems, you know, it's not a control, it's not even a key, it's a big lever that you pull down. <laughs> really? Well, and we also have kill codes. Oh, yes, which is the president's <laughs> biometrics. Yeah, thankfully it was only his hands and his eyes, because I was worried it might be something else. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to throw my meat up on the slab. Okay, (laughs) well. Yeah. Yeah. Really? So the kill codes are the biometrics of a person down on Earth. Yeah. So, like, if the communications had gone out, you'd just be screwed? Really? (laughs) Or you start hearing the modem start to give up. (laughs) Oh, look, it's okay. He's do- he's using a signal lamp and flashing Morse code up to us. <laughs> oh, look, it's Wuthering uh, Heights in an Aldous lamp. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the whole, the whole evil plot is just so... It's Richard Scorpio, basically. It's like, yes, I will use this weather machine to weaponize it. And, as he said, they turn it into a gun. Uh, yes, okay. that's right. It's the Iron Giant. Thank you. Well, and let's face it. I mean, of course they are. Because that's yeah. what they do. And there, there is something to be said about science coming up with ideas that seem really cool, but no one has thought out the entire, like, possible uses all for these coulda, things. not shoulda. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, I made this great thing that, well, I'm going to go to Star Trek for this. I made this great thing which allows you to take matter from one place turn it into energy, transmit it, and reassemble it on the other side. Isn't that awesome? Now, teleportation is a thing, and we can move stuff. Uh, Yeah, what if you put somebody in it and then just disperse them out into nowhere or beam them into a wall? Uh, Uh, 
Well, no one would do yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> so here we have this giant, humongous series of satellites around the Earth that can apparently affect the weather in ways that nothing can, and every, nothing's going to go bad with it. Nothing. No. What could and, possibly go wrong? And what's the oversight? Gerard Butler. <laughs> So, besides the disaster, because there often are some things. You you mentioned the fact that we have some, um, some relationship problems, and we get yeah. to see those worked out. We. But we also get this presidential intrigue crap. Oh, yeah. Because it's not only the fact that we're handing over control to an international board, which should have been done from the start. Yeah. But it's a re-election. So it's we get an to election get out- year. We get to get down to the Democratic National Convention and um, continuously spike it with lightning bolts. Uh, <laughs> and, and then, very targeted lightning bolts. Very targeted. And even better, because it's a disaster film, we already had a, a miniature little car chase. We're going to get another one. Yeah. With a self-driving car, because we don't know where uh. that's going. And sure enough... When yeah. the bad guys get the jump on the good guys and they get ahead of them in ways that by, by you the can't way, figure out. <laughs> who carries an RPG in the trunk of their car? I do. I like to play loose. D&D anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he's, he's Ed Harris, um, bad guy TM. Sure. But he gets ahead, even though they've been running away from the bad guys, the bad guys get ahead of them. Okay, whatever. Somehow. Fine. And they shoot a missile into the car. We see it blow up and we're like, oh no, I totally believe that super hot Secret Service girlfriend and Max and the president have all blown up. Oh no. Yeah, especially when they told us right when they see the car, oh, a self-driving car. A talking cat. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention the fact, I had no idea it was that easy to kidnap the president. Yeah. You just, just like, say, hey, here, the car. let's go out the side door. Damn, how did she avoid us? Yeah. There's only ever one Secret Service agent nearby. And, yeah. Uh, and she's hot. <laughs> so, yeah, whatever. I'm telling, I, you know, I know, I've seen a little bit about the protocol in these things. If they're, because she gets everyone to leave by saying there's a gunman in the shoot, the president's in danger. When that happens, you get like 60 Secret Service guys forming a wall around the president. You can't see him. You don't know where he is. It's like this living armor. It's not her and one other guy. And sadly, that's not the most unbelievable thing. No, that's not even close. <laughs> one of many. We, uh, we get one more super magic type of laser, and uh. this is the instant ocean in the desert laser, because we're in the middle of Dubai, not the coast, the middle, and suddenly, before we see on, uh, the coast getting hit, this guy... This uh, Dubai guy, I don't know who he is. Maybe he's supposed to be it's from somebody. the United Arab Emirates. He's, a, he's clearly we, an Arab. He's wearing a Bedouin costume. And we look out the window, and all we see is desert and, and buildings. And suddenly and there's this tidal wave. <laughs> because, as you know, the weather can make water. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. just add, uh, I don't know. Laser. The yeah, one place yeah. they do hit that is arguably potentially kind of sort of not an enemy is Brazil. Yeah, I'm not sure what they have against Brazil. Well, I, apparently they have to have a instant tsunami as well as super freezy lasers. And yeah. <laughs> first, it, we get one of each, one for you and one for me. I yeah. get nicely built guy in Speedo running with hot girlfriend away from the evil bad stuff. And yep. I have to admit, I was rooting for both of them. <laughs> Just because it's like, come on, don't kill the good looking guy. Come yep. on. And then, of course, he oh, freezes. Oh, no, we can't outrun the cold. <laughs> 
Well, and then a plane drops out of the sky. Yeah, about 50 feet away <laughs> from the woman, and she's fine. Well, she there's ducks. no shrapnel, there's well, no her... flying pieces of rock or metal. Now, Ow. Max, you know fully well her bikini protected her. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. Shock-absorbing bikini, sure. Because they had to throw in some quick TNA, because... Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, sure. I mean, yeah, at we least get they a couple equal. of beach scenes. One apparently is on the shore of Dubai, yeah. which which does have a coast. Sure. It's just that's not what got hit first. Strangely, yeah. the tsunami shows up in downtown, uh, and then later it shows up. Yeah. Whatever. Um, we also uh, get things where. We have like uh, the the big spacesuit scene where oh look these super special fudgy hard drive that we need <laughs> to prove what's going on got stuck in the weather grill outside mm. we need to go out and get it and for some reason spacesuits can be controlled by something other than the person in them yeah they have some kind of remote control system which okay um, I don't know why but sure yeah I'm gonna go with no yeah. But that's also okay. those spacesuits take about a minute and a half to get into. It takes like forty-five minutes to put one of those on. Well, the big thing is, is that there are layers. There's multiple mm. layers. I mean, yeah, you, you got the bodysuit, you got the secondary layer, you got oh, the tertiary layer. Oh, special underwear, and you yeah, know, we're not talking like uh, Mormon level special underwear because there's like <laughs> hoses and stuff. Yeah, but all of it has to interconnect, and yeah, you don't just like step into it Hop and click. Into it, no, yeah. That's okay, because on top of all this, at the end of the movie, where we're sure that the only person who can possibly die heroically is Gerard Butler. Luckily, the German scientist shows yes, up, Yes, excuse too. me, the hot German scientist. The hot German is, scientist. Who is the head chief scientist of the place. Sent uh, here to find the UFOs. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> she yeah, stays they, behind because... For whatever dumb reason, they think it's funny to have Doctor Butler get lost on his own space station. The one he built because they've you know moved things. Yes, that's a running gag. (laughs) 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 But they are in there to implement the kill codes and reboot the system, which will save everything. But someone's also turned on the self destruct system for the station because reasons and stuff. (laughs) And they can't deactivate that, so he's going to stay behind and do a heroic. King Leonidas sacrifice. And I gotta admit, her character, I actually believe this, he tells her no, somebody has to say, you need to, to, to go off with all the other people. And you don't see her think this, but you can imagine her thinking, that dumbass is gonna get lost. I'd yep. better stay. <laughs> <laughs> and so she does, and they pull the lever with eight seconds to go, and it reboots yeah. and whatever. And then we see the space station blowing up, and they're like, well, I guess this is it. Oh, look! We can get into one of the satellites, which right. for some reason not only has room for passengers, but it has air. It uh, does not. We, we don't know it has air. Well. They're in their they're in the spacesuits. But yes, but, apparently people build build satellites with room for two full grown humans in spacesuits because you know there's plenty of extra room in a satellite. Yeah, and so they get in that, and they're flying. They're well. Flying is being, yeah. they're falling to earth, Plummeting. and he somehow is able to control the thrusters. Why he's controlling the back thrusters, not the forward thrusters, to uh, I don't know, slow them down. And he's, and basically he's doing sending, an SOS, he's doing Morse code. I don't know, and somehow someone sees it. One of my questions is as we're watching CNBC or whatever it is, <laughs> and the big space station blow up, um, yeah, where are we getting the footage? I was wondering about that too. Where's the camera? 
Yeah, because the only thing that might potentially have a camera is currently um, blowing up. Yeah, or the, one of the satellites that's rebooted and now hasn't come back online yet. Or whatever. Yeah, that so, doesn't make any sense. That's okay somehow because, the space shuttle grabs them. Well, that's because they have thankfully put an airlock on the side of the shuttle for that's just such an emergency. How does a shuttle have an air? How does a uh, sorry? How does a satellite have an airlock? Not only that, but they apparently catch the satellite with that robotic arm. And I got to tell you, having seen footage of the robotic arm, if the thing you're trying to manipulate is moving at all, there's a good chance you're going to rip that arm out of its socket, now and that's do, the end. But that is kind of what the shuttle does. It catches satellites in motion. Not that much motion. <laughs> no, probably not like zigzagging and such. Catch a bullet, would you? Because whatever. And then even better, after they reboot the system, suddenly all the weather, weather effects just stop yeah they so just that reverse. big tsunami doesn't hit the the coast it doesn't continue in its direction and its power it just goes back into the ocean yeah quietly. zip everything's great yeah and, and everyone's cheering and you're going you know half the world was already you know badly damaged or destroyed and millions of people just died well, and neither of us are physicists, but I'm going to be willing to bet that rules of, of gaseous and liquid dynamics will conclude that all of the things that just happened will continue to cause problems yeah. for potentially weeks to come. Possibly longer, yeah. So, not only do we obviously kill thousands and thousands of people, Superman, but <laughs> we don't seem to care about it and we nope. don't seem to care about all of the resources that have been lost because let's face it when the space station blows up it's taking a huge chunk of that weather net with it mm. so you can't control the weather now which you've just screwed up trying to make a geostorm you don't have a space station from which to control it you're gonna have to build a new one somehow hope you can get this whole thing back online and that's gonna take years <laughs> oh, oh no it takes six months remember because at the end it says six months later oh yeah there's still a lot of work to do but the implication is there's another saddle they've already put the other station together because you know they had a spare i guess but they don't even show like somebody sweeping up in the corner <laughs> no, no, like some factotum with a broom. It's like, well, you yeah, know, that geostorm was mighty tough. Well, here goes Dubai. You know, yep, nothing, yep. nothing. Not um, a thing. We have Everything's a, great forever. We have a <laughs> series question yeah. because just we, we and I, I don't know, I enjoy them. And uh, for this series, which is disaster porn, Max, is the disaster as presented in Geostorm believable? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on. No! <laughs> not even a little. No, no, it's not. Follow-up question. If yeah. not, is there something that could have been done to make it believable? Yes, we talked about this at the, before we started recording. Muppets. <laughs> if we had put, if this movie had been done with Muppets, I would have bought every bit of it. I think that would have worked completely. Kirby, I'm going to give you a hurricane punch! Hey! <laughs> ah, look, Dubai's been blown away, waka waka! <laughs> yes, if Geostorm had been made with hand puppets... It would have worked, but it could have saved it. They basically create their own disaster, which in itself, with technology, could not happen, and then tell us how bad it would be if that thing were to, you know, just go out of control... They tampered in God's domain. Yeah, Minnesota. Um, 
so no, I don't. The whole idea yeah. of making up and then explaining the title in the middle of a film. <laughs> There, there's no, I don't, th personally, I don't think there's a way that you could make the conceit of this film that we can, A, control the, the, the weather with such precision, because that's even a good idea, and that we could be taken over by evil people. I, no, I don't think there's any way this film could be made to work. Nope, nope. Not that, not that disaster. Some other technological-based thing, like we talked earlier because of the, the, uh, whole question about the idea of contagion and stuff like that could humans make a an infection that gets out of totally believable oh absolutely so science you know which does have a lot to answer for and it should could have had something happen globally i believe that could have worked just not this yeah so but, we should probably get to the wrap-up <laughs> <laughs> this entire episode's been a wrap-up yeah. The finish. Max. Yeah. Yeah, I know when you saw this film. Yeah, when you first on. saw this film, because I was yeah. mean enough to choose it and make you watch it again. Yep. You didn't care for the film. But now you've had some time to give it an extra chance to scrutinize. Yeah, yeah. To I ruminate. have to say, compared to some of the others I've seen since, probably at least one of which is going to come up in this series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's terrible. But I will say this it moves along. You know, it's not dull. Uh, the pacing is okay for the most part. Sure. Uh, that's about it. Otherwise, yeah, it's 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 bad. It's just very very bad. Yeah. It's also a waste of a couple of really good people: Andy Garcia, Ed Harris, Gerard Butler. We know he can do good stuff. Yeah. I'm told Abby Cornish can do, can do good stuff. I and again, I don't think her portrayal was bad i think the writing the, and the character was, was bad. yeah the writing was terrible i mean it's like okay she's gonna be a hot secret service agent is that all you could come up with for her really yeah, that's the entire character that's and it. make sure hot. she takes her clothes off because we yep. okay yeah no it's no th this is terrible you you think so oh yes <laughs> i think it, it was terrible from the title yeah. The title tells you this is going to suck, and it's going to suck big. My first thought when I hear the title is I thought it was a car. The new <laughs> Geo, you know, like the Geo Metro, this is the Geo Storm. <laughs> it gets 50 miles to the gallon by yep. sitting still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. I like some disaster porn. There is sometimes, there is something enjoyable about watching certain symbols of government or of things that really should be taken down and remade being destroyed and there can be, and it's not like i enjoy seeing people hurt that's not what i'm looking at it's just things that you have been there for so long and you never would consider ever being taken down or being taken down by aliens yeah. or what have you and there is there's some sort of visceral enjoyment's the wrong word but there's well, something or whatever yeah there's, there's, a, there, there's a response you know yeah. you get a, a, a visceral response when you see a familiar landmark or monument or something being destroyed it i mean some of it's kind of cheap that way because it's kind sure. of emotional shorthand yeah but it's effective yeah but also things that i think part of it is and this is where you're supposed to be afraid of this is something that you never considered could ever topple down 
is being toppled down with yeah. a bunch of other things at the same time. So like there's films where like, you know, Hoover Dam goes and it's like, well, that could never happen except what if it did? Or the Statue of Liberty. A Statue of Liberty. You did it. You did finally yeah. did it. Yep. Um, but darn you all to heck. In this film, except for St. Peter's, which we don't even really see Not destroyed, really. we see it start to melt. Blowing, yeah. All we see are a bunch of CG cities go away and it's like, oh, that's sad. I guess because I'm sure there's people in those buildings, but we don't. We don't know. Eh. So even like the whole point of disaster porn, which is to watch stuff you know blow up, doesn't happen yeah. in this film. We yeah. just take our take our word for it. Bad things happen. Okay, I guess we'll just listen to Doctor Butler and move on. Yeah. Um, the acting, as I said, I I really think is adequate at best. I don't necessarily blame that on the actors. I think the writing, which is Dean Devlin, which does sound like some sort of action hero, yeah, uh, or seventies cartoon. cartoon character, yeah, yeah. And this fact, the fact that he used to be like the Robin to Roland Emmerich's Batman, <laughs> does not surprise me at no, all. D- no, really, really doesn't surprise anyone. Nope. And I, here's the thing: I don't think it does, a good disaster porn film has to be a good movie. If it does its disaster porn well. We actually kind of, this is sad, we might actually take delight in seeing certain actors, um, shall we say, be consumed by rubble or giant <laughs> ants or something. Oh, and, yes. Oh, it could be and, fun. Yeah. and so This, and the this here, is not fun. No, it's not fun, and you just don't care about much yeah. of anything, especially the relationships. It's like, eh. Yeah, seriously. But we have a new poll question we'd like to go over because we'd love for you to answer it and it's not at all connected to this film (laughs) we just want you to tell us what disaster movie plot do you find the most unbelievable and if you would do us the kindness of letting us know through a direct email through us at maxmikemovies.com we would love to get it you can also send comments or suggestions to that same email address or you can go to our website and do the same thing where you can leave comments galore at maxmikemovies.com if you like social media and you like Facebook because you still haven't given us any suggestions as mm-hmm. other places we could go for social yeah. media, which I actually understand. You can find us still on Facebook at Max Mike Movies, where you can answer this poll question amongst other things. And lastly, if you like po- uh, podcasts, which I assume you do, if you've got this far, more likely than not, you found us on one of three billion podcast apps <laughs> that are out there because we're being soaked up by a new one every day. But disaster porn has just got started. Yep. Max, where are we going to blow up next week? <laughs> well, it's going to be, uh, actually, I mentioned this in the beginning. I figured, let's get this out of the way. Let's go with the, my, my big disaster fear, which is earthquakes. And this is a movie that actually scared the crap out of me when I was a kid, and I saw it in the theaters with Sensoround. <laughs> and we'll tell you about that next week. <laughs> and that is the 70s movie Earthquake. So next week, come and shake with us, won't you? Yep. Shake, 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 Sonora. Shake your body liner. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Music